was something, wasn't it? What a day of celebration that we certainly should be glad to attend and to work and understand that today is Resurrection Day. All our hope has been revived through everything that we lost through Adam. Christ came and restored it all and more. <coughs> Psalms 147, if you got your Bibles, you can look at that. I think it's always really interesting to see and know that God in His great wisdom brings forth things from us from the Old Testament and also shows us how great He is and what He's done for us. And as we've just witnessed all the singing and, and the different things that were done, I don't know what you call what Esther and uh, the Milligans did, but that was really good. You know, I mean, it was amazing how they put that all together. Psalms 147, verse 7 says this, Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise upon musical instruments unto our God. That's what David wanted to do way back even in the Old Testament. Sing praises unto our God for the great things that He has done. I think it's always good to go back and look how great our God really is. How many of you like statistics? Raise your hands. You like to, do you? Well, I see about five hands. <laughs> That's about what it was when I was in college. We were required to take a statistics class, and, and all you heard was, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But I think it's good to look and see. We have to look and see how great our God really is. Same chapter, Psalms 147, verse 4 says, He knoweth the number of the stars, and he calleth them all by their names. Have you ever really thought about that? You know, when you look back in Genesis, it said, and he made the moon and the, and the sun. Oh, and by the way, he made the stars also. As if that was just a very small thing. And yet, as you look at it, it's amazing that he would make that many stars, but then he would be able to call them all by name. Latest estimates, and of course this changes by every new telescope and everything else we see, latest estimates that there are 10 to the 25th power, which means a whole lot of nothing to most people. <laughs> but if you put the number 10 up and you write 25 zeros behind it, that's how many stars they think there are at this time. They think. Now you can't even, I mean, how many multiple trillion is that? We don't know. However, try to bring it down and unpack that a little bit. If you could name three stars every second, just every second, name three stars. You could name, within a year's time, you could cover 164.5 million stars. Now, just in our galaxy... If you did that 24 hours a day, name three every second, it would take you a thousand years just to name the stars in our galaxy. However, now several years ago, probably 20 years ago, the estimate was there was 100,000 galaxies of our size or larger. I saw here uh, about 10 years ago, they estimated that that was way off. It was more like a million galaxies. And then, I just looked it up on the internet yesterday. They now say that 
we were pretty well off on that. It's probably more like a trillion. He knows them all by name. Now, I've been in this assembly almost three years, and uh, how many Marks are there here? <laughs> Several. How many Johns? Uh, you know, you, just, you look at how many names we duplicate here because we run out of names quickly. Can you imagine a thousand years and you named three stars every second and it'd still take you a thousand years just to name the ones in our galaxy, much less all the others. That's how great our God was. Here's another one. Verse 8, same chapter. He covereth the heavens with clouds, and he prepareth rain for the earth that watereth grass to grow upon the mountains. Now you hear that, you know, you're just like, yeah, that being from Rochester, we understand that, don't we? It rains every day, right? Well, it seems like it. Uh, where I grew up, it didn't rain at all. Uh, we saw the sun all the time. I was amused the other day. I was listening to radio, and they said, you know, we're going to have an eclipse. A total eclipse here in Rochester in 2024. That should occur on April the 8th. Do you know what the chances are of you seeing the eclipse in Rochester? <laughs> Not very good, is it? I promise you it'll be cloudy that day. <laughs> but they're, at, they're getting ready for thousands of people to show up April the 8th, 2024 to see the eclipse. Well, it'll be dark at noon, you know when that happens, but only for three or four minutes. When we seen the Lord die, how long was it dark? Three hours. Three hours, total darkness. The greatness of our God. Back to Him watering the rain. You know how much rain drops on the earth every day? Back to statistics here. God waters the earth every day with rain. 340 trillion gallons of water fall on the earth every day from clouds. Now, that's a big number, isn't it? That's about one and a half trillion tons. Well, that helped, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> let's bring that down a little to where maybe we can understand it. If you took all the water that was in Lake Erie and gathered it up every day, you'd have to do that three times a day to drop that much water on the earth. God does that consistently every day. Can you imagine that? Taking water as big as Lake Erie, gathering it all up in your hands, spreading it around the earth, and waters the earth every day. That's the greatness of our God. Also, what does it say in verse 7? Verse 7 of, it says, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 5, Great is our Lord, and of great power, and his understanding is infinite. Boy, that's an understatement, isn't it? Great is our Lord, and of great power, and his wisdom and understanding is infinite. Amazing when you think about that. He numbers and knows all the stars by name, and he waters the earth as if it's just a very simple thing. But yet he does that every day. How great is our God. Verse 11, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear, or as we would understand it in the vernacular, 
The Lord taketh pleasure in them that hold him in reverential awe. Now you hear about the stars that he names and all the water that he drops on the earth every day. That's an amazing thing. You have to look at him in reverential awe that he would be able to do that and do it every day consistently. But then I like the last part of that verse. It's in those that hope in his mercy. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that hope in his mercy. How great is his mercy. Ephesians tells us that. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, not just merciful, but rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love wherewith he loves us. And we saw that in what we sang about and you saw in the things that were done. How great was his love for us that he would send his son. Colossians verse, chapter 1 says, God who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the very forgiveness of sins. This is talking about God himself, Jesus who came, who was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, now listen to this, this is, this is the one that died. For by him were all things created that were in heaven, that were in earth, visible and invisible, and all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Not only did he create everything, but he keeps everything in order. And he knows all the stars by name. Amazing. And we keep finding more, and we're amazed, aren't we? But he isn't. That's just who he is. Think about the power that he had to not only do all that, but who would come and die and have the power to raise himself back from the dead. That is some great power. Philippians chapter 2 says, Although he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to hang on to. Here he is, God himself, and he didn't keep on hanging on to that and say, I don't want to go. I don't want to become man, but he said he did. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a servant. Was born as a human when he appeared in human form. What a step down for God to become a human and become like us. He became like us so we could become like him. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on an old cruel cross. Thinking of his power, here's what he told him in John chapter 2. As the Pharisees were questioning him, and he said, destroy this temple. He's speaking of his body. He said, you destroy this body, and in three days I'll bring it back up again. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? If you kill me, I will rise again in three days. And he did. John 10 says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. Now, I don't know many dead people that have much power. But he did. I have the power to take it again. We just heard, many we saw it in song, it was written up here, and I'm reiterating a lot of things that was already said. But it's worth repeating. But did he really die? Well, when Jesus cried again with a loud voice, what did he do? He yielded up his spirit. You see, that's what death is, isn't it? It's the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. When that happens, you die. 
And the Lord did that. He died. And as we saw, Pilate marveled. Pilate was absolutely amazed that he had already died because most criminals last quite a while, those who are on the cross. But he laid down his life there and he died. Verse 57 of chapter 27 of Matthew says, Joseph of Joseph had taken the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. He laid it in his own new tomb that he'd hewn out in a rock, and he rolled that great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Now, how big was that stone? If you go back and look at it, that stone, which they did quite frequently, they would carve out a place in a stone, which a lot of it was sandstone, and they would take that and they would set it over against the sepulcher, and they would raise it up on a level where it would when they were ready to use it, they would pull the block out and let it roll down there. Most of those stones were four to six feet tall at the most, but they were between six to eight inches, some of them a foot, but it would weigh anywhere between a ton to 4,000 pounds. Well, you just don't walk up and grab it and put it on your shoulder and walk off. That stone was there. It rolled down, fell into a place, and it was there. It was there to keep people out as well as critters and anything else that may want to come in. It was to be sealed and kept that way. And that's what Joseph did. He rolled that great stone down and probably was with Nicodemus as well. But look what happened. Matthew 28 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, a great earthquake. And the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came down and rolled that stone away from the door. And then he sat on it. Can you imagine as these women come, they're like, how are we going to get this door open? We want to get in and anoint his body. How do we do that? And they come, and there it is, gone. And he didn't send a group of angels. He just sent one. How powerful are those, res are those angels? Uh, probably don't want to mess with them, do you? Roll that great storm away. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Paul is reiterating this to the Corinthians, and he said, I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also believed and received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, just as he said, according to the Scriptures. And he was seen of Peter, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Were there witnesses to this? Absolutely. Over 500 people saw him after he raised from the dead. What an amazing thing. It wasn't just a secret thing. This was well known. This happened. Matthew 27 says, verse 51, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Now, if you go back and look in the Old Testament how that veil was set, that veil was set there to keep people away from the Holy of Holies. Even the priests had to be well prepared and cleansed before they went in. That curtain was big. It was about 13 foot tall and it was over a foot thick. You just don't walk up and rip it like you do a sheet. And not only was it ripped, it said it was ripped from the top to bottom. Only God himself could have done that. And it said, and the earth did quake and the rocks split. Here's also a very interesting thing. I think sometimes we miss this in verse 52 of Matthew 27. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. 
Now that would be quite a scene, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? Go back and read that. Here it is, not only was there this great earthquake, but the cemetery, uh, all those who were saved, who were saints that loved God, came out of the graves and went into Jerusalem. Can you imagine, you'd be home there and all these things had happened, you'd seen the Savior crucified, but three days before, and there was this great earthquake, the sun had been darkened for three hours that you couldn't see anything, never seen darkness like that. And then after resurrection, they said, he's alive. And they're like, what? Yeah. And then imagine your kids are out playing outside and a little boy runs up and said, dad, grandpa's walking down the street. <laughs> and you're like, say what? <laughs> yeah, he's coming down the street. It said, and many bodies of the saints arose and came out of their graves after his resurrection, after he was, and they went into Jerusalem and appeared unto many. And of course we saw the centurion who certainly wasn't a godly person. He was a Roman soldier. What did he do? He was there to execute the criminals and he'd probably done a lot of it. And said when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus, they saw the earthquake and the things that were done, they feared greatly. Roman soldiers didn't fear anything. There was no one like him. No one had the weapons of war like they did. None of them were prepared anywhere near like a Roman soldier. And he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Nothing like this has ever happened. The witnesses that we see that God had. What about doubting Thomas? You know, he gets a bad rap, doesn't he? He comes, the Lord comes and sees his disciples, and all of them are there except Thomas and they told him, said, we've seen the Lord. And he goes, uh, yeah, right. He said, no, we really did. He said, well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to believe it unless I can see the nails in his hands and his feet. And I want not only that, I want to put my finger in. I don't want somebody painting on there like they did up here. I don't want anybody, you know, I want to, I want to see it. He said a few days later they were together. And what happened? The Lord appeared. And graciousness of the Lord said to them, said, said to Thomas, come up here. Put your fingers in the holes in my hand. Even put your hand into my side. Now, don't be faithless. Just come and believe. Of course, what did Thomas do? He didn't do it. He said he was going to, but he didn't. But he said, my Lord and my God. You know, I kind of, I'm kind of glad Thomas did that. Because we all got a blessing from that, didn't it? And the Lord looked at him and he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who don't see and still believe. If you're here today and you don't know this Savior, today is a really good day to change. That blessing can be yours as well. Believe that he truly was the son of God and that God in his great mercy sent him down to each of us. Not only that we just hear and see the wonderful things that's happened, but to know that he changed everything. Everything that we lost in Adam when Adam sinned, and we've all sinned because we're part of Adam's race. But the great thing of it is we believe because we haven't seen it. We still believe, but we get the blessing.
And it isn't something you have to, you know, it isn't one of these things where you've got to sign a contract or, you know, I've got to do, it's just believe. Abraham, remember what happened to Abraham? Abraham believed things that God told him that seemed impossible. He was almost 100 years old. His wife was 90. God told him, you're going to have a child. And he said, like, what? Really? But he believed God, didn't he? And what did God say? It wasn't that Abraham had to go and do something or run around the country or do this or do that. It said, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The gift of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should have not just life, but everlasting life. What a Savior we have. That's why we as Christians come and rejoice when we see the resurrection because our hope is real. It's not a hope of, well, maybe, perhaps, but rather not if, but when. It will happen, won't it? It will happen. God will come back. Christ will come back and receive us unto himself. Let's just pray. Father, what a Savior we have. How we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. How we thank thee that the greatness and your love and the great and rich mercy that you had for us because you loved us so much. Because the soul of a man is very, very precious in your sight. And you desire each and every one of us to spend eternity with you and not apart from you. Father, we thank thee for that gift that makes it so possible that we just believe on the Son of God, believe that He truly is who He is and what He says. And Father, You count it to us for righteousness. And Father, we thank Thee that Your righteousness is what makes us right, the righteousness of our Savior who paid a price with precious blood that we could never pay. And Father, how we thank You for Him this morning. We thank Thee for the program that we saw, the songs that were sang, in glory and praise to our wonderful Savior. And Father, how we thank Thee that You have put a song in our heart to sing praises unto You. And Father, we thank Thee for all You've done for us and what a hope and life we have because of You. And we thank You for it. In Your most holy and precious name, Amen.